I told the Lord, Lord, this is what's weighing on my heart, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right thing to preach on. I said, God, this is what's weighing on my heart. You know, should I speak on this, on, on marriage and divorce that's going on inside the church and out? This divorce is really crazy these days. Uh, and the very next day, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, texted me. He's got two young boys just like I've got, same age as me. His kids are the same age as mine. He texted me and said, man, my wife just left. You know, and, and I took that, you know, sad as it is, I took that as confirmation from the Lord, you know, that this is what he wants for tonight. So, you know, regardless of whatever state you're in tonight, if your, your marriage is in trouble. If you have a good marriage, praise the Lord, and receive this as encouragement. If you're single, I want you to listen up. I mean, what wise person would just disregard a sermon on marriage and, and divorce? I mean, it, if it's going to happen in your future, then learn and glean everything that you can. Uh, am I an authority on marriage? Negatory. Uh, do, do I know all that there is to know about being married? No. Uh, I realize... Uh, you guys have been married a lot longer than me. I am not here to give you my opinion on marriage. I'm not here to tell you to look at my marriage and do what I do. I'm not here to tell you to be like me and Shannon, not by any means. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about marriage and divorce. That is it. So I want you to remember that. Let's then bow our heads and pray. Father God, we do thank you for this evening, Lord God. I thank you for your word, Lord God. It is our instruction. It is our guiding light, Father God. We pray, Lord God, that we can eat your word tonight, Lord, that we can partake of that bread of life, Father God, and let it nourish our bodies, Father God. We thank you for all things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Go ahead and turn this. First things first. Go ahead and turn to Malachi chapter 2. Now, this is kind of weird for me, but I always, always, always use the King James. That's just what I read. That's kind of what I grew up with. That's what I like. I like the words. But sometimes in the Old Testament stuff, sometimes even especially in some of the prophetic books, some of that stuff can get confusing. So I'm going to read to you the NIV version of uh, Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. And this is we'll start out with what the Word says about marriage and divorce. Here's what it says. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 from the NIV. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because He no longer pays attention to your offering or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his, and why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Now listen to what it says in the NIV. Verse 16 says, I hate divorce. I believe uh, uh, the King James Version says, I hate putting away. I mean, that's just the old, old English version of divorce. The Bible says, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. So there's our number one thing that the Bible tells us. God says, first and foremost, I hate divorce. And I hate man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. The Bible tells us, I hate divorce. That's our, that's our number one thing that we will glean from this book tonight. The Bible says, the Lord God Almighty says, I hate it. The King of Kings, God Himself says, I hate divorce. I hate 
when married couples separate and divorce each other. The Bible says I hate it. Jason doesn't say that. The Bible says that. God's Word says I hate divorce. He who sits on the throne, the Bible says the heavens is his throne and the earth is his footstool, says I hate it. I hate it. We divorce left and right. Inside and out of the church, it's going on every single day. God, but he's work, I'm telling you, it's going on all over the place. God says, I hate it. I don't know about you, if you maybe have children, yes, no, I don't know. When my kids do stuff I hate, it provokes me to anger. The other day, my boy wanted something out of the fridge, I don't know what it was, and he asked Shannon, get me uh, whatever out of the fridge. And Shannon was busy doing something. She said, wait a minute, I'll get it in a minute. He said, no, I want it now. I'll tell you first, off, that didn't work out too good for him. I hate when he talked back to his mom. Then that's not going to be tolerated. Why provoke God the Father, Father with doing things that he hates? That's what we do. It's not going to work out very well for us. I continually ask myself, I know God renews his mercies every day. I know it. But... The things that America does, that the world does, the sins that have to be ascending up to heaven into his nostrils, I think. God cannot be happy. He cannot be happy. He cannot be the divine Santa Claus up there in heaven, just everything is going good. He cannot be. The Bible says he hates divorce. Divorce rates going up and up and up and up and up and up. He can't be happy. He cannot be happy about it. Don't do things that provoke God. The Bible says, I hate it. My Bible tells me that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Sometimes I feel like we have the wrong image of God, that He's all nice, big, happy, and smiles. The Word says it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. We cannot provoke God. God hates divorce. The Bible says, Art thou bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife. Why provoke God? Mm. Don't do the things that he hates. He hates divorce. That's the first thing we learned tonight, that God hates divorce. Second thing, Christ's views, some of Christ's views on marriage. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 19, and we'll start in verse 3. Now, understand, there is so much stuff in the Bible about marriage, about relationship, and about divorce that I can't cover it all in one service. There's no way. It's not possible. So, there is so much more. Tonight will be just a small portion of it. There is so much in there that can help you, that can encourage you. Matthew chapter 19, and I'm back in the King James Version, what I'm comfortable with. Now, here we have the Pharisees coming to Jesus. First of all, we got to realize the Pharisees don't care what Jesus' answer is. They're only trying to trick him. They're only trying to get him to stumble on his words. They can say, hi, we got you, or this, that, the other thing. But I'll tell you what, we here in this room, we do care what Jesus' answers are. The Pharisees don't. They're just looking to cause trouble. The Pharisees also came unto him, starting in verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Listen to what Jesus says in verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read he which made them? At the beginning, made them male and female. So first off, the Pharisees are just looking for trouble. They don't care about marriage or what Jesus has to say, but they're just looking for trouble. Jesus' answer to me, Jesus is kind of saying, you're asking me about divorce? What? I never created divorce. Don't, haven't you read? He which made them in the beginning, made them male and female? Now, we're going to stop here and we got to do a scripture within a scripture. So turn, now we're, maybe keep your 
thumb or your bookmark or something right there in Matthew, turn back to Genesis chapter 2. Now, Jesus refers, have you not read he that made them at the beginning made them male people? We're going to go back to the beginning and see what the Bible says. So go back to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to start reading, we're going to start reading in verse 17. Uh, this is Adam in the Garden of Eden. There is no Eve yet. Okay? There's only Adam. But of the tree, starting in verse 17, chapter 2. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make and help meat for him. Now, I went ahead and looked at the definition of the word meat. The Bible says, God says it's not good for man to be alone. Now, we know it isn't. The man left to himself will do dumb stuff. We really will. God says it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make it help. Meat for him. The word meat simply means suitable, proper, a proper fit, fitting. You know, almost like what's necessary for the man. I'll make something that is necessary for this man to thrive and to do well in this garden that I put him. I will make and help meat for him, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof. Verse 20. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meat for him, necessary for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. I'll stop there. There's something that should be noted here. It's such a, a simple story of creation. The Bible is so rich. I never really realized this before, but here we have Adam all alone in the, in the Garden of Eden. The Bible specifically tells us God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth and molded him and breathed that breath of life into Adam. Adam became a living man, correct? Then, the Bible says, God made the fowls of the air, the beasts of the field, out of the dust of the earth. But it should be noted that God could have just as easily formed that woman out of the dust of the earth, just like everything else. But He did not. He formed woman out of the man. Understand the significance of it? Let's keep reading. Mm. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. Now imagine Adam in the Garden of Eden, naming beasts. That over there is going to be a donkey. That there is a buffalo. That's a bison. And then naming all the fowls of the air. And then the Bible says... And God made this woman and brought him unto Adam. Adam's name in the Bible. What in the world is that? <laughs> hey. <laughs> and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Not out of the dust of the earth like everything else. She came from the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now listen, there's even something else significant in here. God took the rib from Adam, not from the dust of the earth, not from clay, not from anything, from the man, made the woman, brought the woman unto the man. The man saw her. There we have the first example of marriage. The man, first matriarch or patriarch, 
of the Bible. Adam and Eve. Now listen, significantly, what Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. They, two people, two separate entities, came together to become one. That's what marriage is. That's what biblical marriage is. It's two different people, two separate things coming together to make one entity. Not two, one. Bible says that Eve became bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Two sets of bones came together to become one set of bones. Two different sets of flesh came together to become one set of flesh. Understand that? And the Bible says God made the woman from the man because the woman is part of the man. Guys, your wife is you. She is part of you. She's not someone else. She is you. You are one unit with her. One unit. You're one flesh. You're one set of bones with your wife. <clears throat> okay, go back to Matthew 19. Remember the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus about questions with divorce. Back in Matthew 19, chapter 4. I'm sorry, chapter 19, verse 4. Jesus replied, have ye not read, he which made them at the beginning, made them male and female? Then verse 5 says, And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Jesus says it right there. Man leaves his mom and his dad, and they too become one flesh. Two people become one. Wherefore, they are no more two. This is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, this is what He says about marriage. Therefore, they are no longer two. That's the biblical definition of marriage. Not two people. They become one flesh. They are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Remember, God hates divorce. You know what divorce is? Divorce is when you take one entity and rip it in half. You understand that? You take one. You don't take two people and pull them apart. You take one and rip it in half. That's, the Bible says you are one flesh with your wife. Shannon and I, we are one. We are one. If we separate, if we divorce, then you're ripping one thing in half to create two halves. You're, we're no longer two. We're wander around the rest of our lives torn. Understand? That's what divorce is. We'll be torn the rest of our days. That's what divorce does. Make no mistake. Jesus says two become one. They're no longer. When you're married, when you slip the ring on, two people became one. I want everyone in here to hear that. Two became one. And divorce rips one into two. I have a visual for you. Here's one sheet of paper. I ripped it in half. There was one sheet. Now I have two halves. I don't have two full sheets of paper anymore. I have two half sheets. That's what divorce does. You're left with two halves, torn in half. Wherefore, you are no more, no more two, but one flesh. But therefore, God is going together. Let no man put asunder. We put asunder every day that God hates it. Now, let's move on. Verse 7, they say unto him, Why did Moses then command to the writing of divorce and to put her away? And Jesus said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives from the beginning it was not so. God didn't create us to divorce each other. God did not make that. That's why Jesus, when the Pharisees first come to him and they say, hey, is it lawful to divorce your wife for any reason? Jesus said, what are you asking me about divorce for? Have you not read? He that made them at the beginning made them male and female? Jesus said, 
I didn't create divorce. Divorce is here because of sin. Because of the hardness of your heart. That's why Moses gives it to you. Because of sin. That is why Moses is here. God never intended us to divorce each other. Husbands and wives to divorce each other. And that's what Jesus' reply speaks to me. He said, what? Have you not read from the beginning he made them? Made them male and female? <clears throat> but from the beginning it was not so. Divorce is here because of sin. No other reason. That is it is because of sin. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except fornication, and shall marry another, commits adultery. And whoso marries her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. I understand, you don't just read the Bible. You don't. We don't just read the Bible. It's not a magazine. It's not People magazine. It's not a dirt bike magazine or a gun magazine. It's the Word of Life. That's almost like food. For food to do you any good, you have to eat it, you have to digest it, and then... When you digest it, it nourishes your body, correct? When you read the Word of God, you read it, you digest it, and then you let it nourish your body. That, that's how we get things out of the Word of God. It's not a magazine. It is the Word of God. It is the bread of life. <clears throat> Marriage is two people. Coupling tells them together as one flesh. You're one then. You are one. My wife and I, we are one. We are one unit. We are one. Her flesh is my flesh. My flesh is hers. My bones are hers. She, her, her bones are mine. Are, are one. Divorce tears that in half. Divorce does not rip apart two people. It rips apart one. Understand that? Jesus says you are not two. You are one. Your husband is not some other dude. He is you. You are him. You are one. Divorce severs apart one set of bones. Divorce covers part one set of flesh. Divorce rips one thing in halves. Divorce, the actual definition, means a complete separation to disunite. God can't be happy with it. He can't. You know what else funny happens in, in divorce? Look back in uh, what we just read, Matthew 19, verse 5, says a, a man shall leave his mother and his father and cleave unto his wife. You understand that? What's happened is a lot of the times, and I've had buddies at work tell me this, the Bible says a man leaves his mom and his father and cleaves unto his wife. Now, then they get a divorce. What happens to the man? He ends up back at his mother and his father's. A buddy this week told me, yeah, I'm back at mom. i got two buddies at work. Same age as me. I'm 34. You guys are the same age as me. Back at mom and dad. Mom and dad, I love you guys, but I don't want to come live there anymore. My mom would take me back with my dad wouldn't. <laughs> I remember when I got married. When I went to walk out of the door to go get married, over in the old sanctuary, before this one was even here, about ten and a half years ago, my mom was right there at the door hugging me and crying, and you were such a good son, and we'll miss you. My dad, I don't know where he was, watching the game or something. <laughs> it's in overtime. They're tied. I'll see you in a little bit. I'll see you at the church. Look, I, I don't want to go back to my mom and dad's. I don't want to. But the Bible says... A man leaves his mom and dad never to go back. You, you don't go back there and live anymore. You leave and you cleave unto your wife. And you're one with her. You don't go back to mom and dad. It's messed up. It's not supposed to work that way. Jesus said, I didn't design it that way. It's not. I designed it to a young man leaves his mom and dad and goes and cleaves to his wife. It's not designed that way. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I told you there's so much stuff in the Bible about this that man, I had to cut so much of it out due to time. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 21. 
And here's another chunk, another segment of Scripture talking about marriage. Awesome stuff. Ephesians 5 verse 21 says, Submitting yourselves one another in the fear of the Lord. Now we'll stop there for a second, but the Bible says this is such a huge, pivotal scripture. The Bible says, submit yourselves, therefore, in the fear of the Lord. Okay, take yourselves back, if you've got a good memory, which I hope you can remember back this far, exactly seven days to the hour to right now, where were we? Hopefully we were here in church listening to a message on the fear of the Lord, which I thought was awesome. Now, Here's the thing about the fear of the Lord, what it does in a marriage, okay? I can, I'm pretty sneaky. I can sneak things past, Shannon. I really can. I can watch things I shouldn't watch. I can look at things I shouldn't look at, and she'll never, ever know about it. I can do things she'll never know about, and vice versa. She can do things that I'll never find out about in our marriage. She can do all that stuff and sneak it behind my back, because that's, we can be sneaky. We want to hide our sins. But if both of us fear the Lord, if we both have a mutual fear in our marriage of God, that fear that says, wait a minute, now, you know, yeah, Shannon won't find out, but I'm not going to be able to get it past him. If I watch this TV show, she's asleep. She, Shannon does call logs. When she's out, she's out. I could have a party and she would never know. There's a particular television show on. It's no good. It shows things it shouldn't be showing. She'll never know. That's why the Bible says, Submit yourselves to one another in the fear of the Lord. If I have a healthy fear of God in my marriage, that fear of God will keep me from doing things that even she will never know about. You understand that? Last Sunday night was awesome. Fear of God will help your marriage. Fear of God will keep your marriage together. It will keep you from doing things you should not do. I can sneak things past her, but I cannot sneak past him. None of you guys can either. There's also even good things. If I fear the Lord enough, there's good things that I can do too much. I don't know how many of you might golf. Or whatever your hobby is, whatever you like to do for fun. Go hang out with your homies, whatever it is. I golf six times this week, and I'm leaving the kids at home with Shannon. My fear of the Lord is going to say, what's the matter with you? You've got kids and a wife. You've got responsibilities. Stop golfing so much. You understand what that fear of the Lord can do? Mm. Let's continue reading verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now here's the part all of us guys like. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. I know all of us men love them, and sometimes I abuse that scripture, you know, on Shannon. Come here, Shannon, you know, try to do what I want, eat what I want. I say, hey, the Bible says it doesn't work that way, church. And the men, us men, need to be careful with that type of stuff. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband as unto the Lord. So the husband is the head, and he is. Biblically, he is. Man, you are the leader. But be careful, man. That's not there to demand things out of your wife. Get me something to drink, woman. That's not there for that. Not by any means. Be careful. Let's go back again. You don't have to turn there, but go back again to Genesis. In the very beginning of the Bible. Do you remember what, before Eve was ever even around, who did God give the commandment to to stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Adam. 
He said, Adam. He didn't say tell Eve. He told Adam. Adam, this is your responsibility. Stay away from that tree. Now, I don't know if Adam slacked and just told Eve, hey, don't eat from that tree, no big deal. But something happened, but Eve ate from that tree. She got beguiled by the devil. She ate. Here's another thing. Be careful, men. You are the leader. But who, way back with Adam and Eve, after she ate of the fruit, they realized they were naked. Who did God come looking for? Does the Bible say, Eve, Eve, where are you? Nope. The Bible says, in the voice of the Lord, walking in the cool of the day, saying, Adam, where art thou? Adam, where? God knew there was a problem. Who did he come looking for? He come looking for the man. Understand that, men? You want to demand things and command out of your wife and tell her you're the boss, you're the head? Better be careful. Because if there's a problem, you're the one. You're the one. Man, is there a problem in your marriage? Then you make it right. You swallow your pride. That's usually what it is. Me and Shannon get into arguments from time to time. Maybe whatever in the world it is, it's always usually dumb stuff. But I'll tell you what, I heard a guy speaking on the radio years ago, and I never forgot it because particularly I didn't like it. But for some reason it seemed true, and it just seemed it just rang in me. Man, it is your responsibility. You and your wife have it locked together. You're not speaking to each other. A day goes by and you don't talk to each other. You're giving each other cool stares. Man, you go to your wife. You're the head, man. You're in charge, man. You go to the woman. Understand that? Go to the woman. You make it right. Yeah, that's hard for us, man, because we are prideful. We are prideful. And that's usually what it is in us. I know it is in me. If something happens between me and Shannon... I'll say, I don't care what she does. I'm going to do what I want to do. I, I ain't apologizing. The Bible says, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. The women, I'm not saying that expunges you from all responsibility. No. No. If you mess up, you go and apologize to your wife. But guys, if there's a problem between you and your wife, if something needs dealt with, you are the head. Because some of you guys might say, man, that's just not my style, I'm quiet, I'm laid back. Then your style is not what the Bible says, okay? I done told you, this ain't Jason's marriage lesson, I'm reading you scriptures. You don't like it, man, that, you got a problem somewhere else, not with me. You're the leader, man. You're the head, but be careful about it. God's going to come looking for you, man, if there's a problem. He's coming for you. He's going to say, Jason, where, where art thou? What's your problem? Did you eat of the tree? Who told you that you were naked? If something's wrong in your marriage, God's going to call for you, man. And there was a particular time, without getting into too much detail, me and Shannon was having so much just go on. Um, not necessarily marriage problems, but just so much stuff. And just mounts up stress. You, you all know what I'm talking about. And just sometimes the going gets rough. You understand that? And uh, I said, that, that's it, enough. I said, Shannon, come here. So, the Bible calls me the head, the man, the head of my marriage, my household. I said, Shannon, come here. Put the kids in bed. This is exactly what we did. And I'm telling you, we gained so much out of this. Put the kids in bed, and we opened the Word of God, and we went through some scriptures on marriage together. And I cannot convey to you, as good as I am with words and can get my point across in many things, I can't tell you what it did to our marriage. Just me and her, keep the kids in bed, shut everything else up. Even if you're not a good preacher and you can't handle the Word very well, don't worry, the Word will speak for itself. You just say, hey, you know, 
Get your concordance out. If you don't know where it is, get a concordance out. I got a shovel. You can bum one of mine if you don't have one. Look in there and look for wife, the word wife or husband or marriage or divorce, anything. Look it up to see what the Bible says and read it with your wife. Turn everything else off. There's lots of different stuff in there. And me and Shannon, just a period of a few weeks, we went over some things over and over. And it strengthened our marriage something fierce. Uh, it really did. I cannot convey to you. Honestly, it felt like there's just three people there. Me, Shannon, and the Lord God just strengthening our marriage. No matter what happens, we'll make it. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. i got to start hurrying up a little bit. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Okay, we're going to do another scripture within a scripture. Keep your hand there in chapter or Ephesians 5 and go on over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 4. Now, if you're familiar with your word, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 is kind of like the little definition of love that the Bible gives us. Now, I just read out of Ephesians 5, the Bible, the word commanded us saying, Husbands, love your wives. Men, love your woman. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now we're going to see what love is. What love does. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 says, Love suffers long. Now look, some of you ladies, even maybe some of you guys, maybe you have a wife or a husband that is not saved. Maybe you're here yourself. I know some of you personally that's been coming here for years and your husband never shows up. Doesn't care about the things of God. How this is love suffers long. The biblical definition of love. Love suffers long and is kind. <clears throat> love envies not. Love vaunts not itself up. It is not puffed up. Vaunt meaning boast or brag. Verse 5 says, Love does not behave itself unseemly. Meaning not decent or proper. You know, guys, the Bible says love is kind. Be kind to your wife. Ladies, be kind to your husband. Be kind. But we lose the simple kindness to each other. The smallest things make a big difference. My, if, if I'm working outside or whatever, my wife brings me a drink of water, that's an act of kindness. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. That, that, that is kind. The Bible says love is kind. Some of you guys, the Bible says, doth not behave itself unseemly. Not decent or proper. Guys, be proper towards your wife. Don't be demanding stuff. You better submit, woman. Get me this and that. That's not love. That is not love. Love behaves itself properly. <clears throat> love seeks not her own. That's a big one with me. I tend to be selfish. Do what I want to do when I want to do it. Selfishness. The Bible says that ain't love. Love seeks not her own. Love doesn't seek what I want. Love's going to seek what she wants. Guys, do you get that? Ladies, you keep that for your husband. Seek what he wants, ladies. Guys, seek what she wants. Love seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. That's another thing I see. People are ready to fight at the drop of a hat. I don't get that. Love is not easily provoked. It can't be provoked so easily. There are things Shannon does today that I still am like, yeah, that's strange, but... Just let it go, guys. I'll tell you one of them. <laughs> this is an embarrassment. Shannon, she is not good in the mornings. Yep. Me, if the alarm goes off, you say, get up, do what you need to do, and go. 
And she snooze, she's the type of snoozes five, six times. And I'm over there trying to sleep. Wait, wait, come on, what are you snoozing? Get up. She just is not good in the morning. She, she I work night shifts because she usually gets up she's ready for school and gets them off to school. She'll wake up at the last second. Everything's a major rush. And brush your teeth. You get to eat that. Hurry up. Drink that down. Get on the bus. You're about to miss the bus. Go, go. Oh, Shannon, why don't you wake up another 15 minutes early? You know what? Ten and a half years she hasn't changed. The Bible says love is not easily provoked. I'm finally, ten and a half years later, finally just like, that's how she is. Okay, that is how she is. I'm not going to change her. Whatever it is with you and your wife, or wife, whatever it is with you and your husband, don't be so easily provoked. It used to get on my nerves. I'll, that's stupid. Get up a half hour earlier and do what you need to do and have a relaxing time. She's not changing. I still love her, so you know what? Water under the bridge to me. It's really not that big of a deal. That's how she wants to do it. That's how she wants to do it. Love is not easily provoked and thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. Love rejoices not in iniquity. I told you so, see? <laughs> I told you not to do that. If comes, something comes back to bite your spouse, love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You know what to endure means? To hold out, to last. To hold up under pain, fatigue, etc., etc., to stand, to tolerate. Sometimes your wife will get on your nerves. Sometimes your husband's going to get on your nerves. Sometimes he's going to do some dumb stuff and make mistakes. But the Bible says love bears all things. Your husband did something dumb, maybe financially, and maybe did some damage to your household, and you're in debt now. Love will bear it and will get you through. A lot of people don't understand. A lot of people, I don't think they even have love anymore. Because love will always get you through. Guys, that love for your wife bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, and endures all things. It will stand the test of time. It will. Don't, don't give me that. Love is not enough. And I've heard that before. It is not true. The word endure also means to continue in existence. You love your wife and your wife loves you. You will continue in existence. Your marriage will continue to exist. You understand that? It will continue. It will endure all things. Hardships, financial, spiritual things, mental things, physical ailments, whatever they are. Love will get you through. The Bible, this is the Bible. Not Jason, this the word of God says this. Then verse 8 says, love never, never, ever fails. It does not fail. Love your wife, guys. Ladies, love your husband. I need to start bringing this to a close. So Mike, if you want to make your way, we're going we're gonna to look at a couple more things here. In Ecclesiastes, here's something I, that I kind of don't understand. Because I, I do love my wife. I make some dumb mistakes. I really do. Sometimes I'm just dumb. You know, for lack of better terms, I'm dumb. I do dumb stuff sometimes. But you know what? I love my wife. I love her. I do. And she loves me. We enjoy each other. And here's what I don't understand. People these days, a lot of younger people, people my age, don't and like to enjoy their spouse. I don't get that. I enjoy my woman. I enjoy my family. Understand that? Some of the funnest things that 
You know what I like to do on a Friday night or a Saturday night? People might like to go out and party, go out to eat, this kind. I like to lay on the couch with my wife, maybe watch a TV show with her right beside me, laying right there. Kids are in bed, leave us alone, or just going to watch a show or a movie or something. That's some of my favorite thing. Another thing, I love to be with my family. I enjoy my family. How come marriage always has to be this fight, this arguing, and this banging heads against each other? I don't understand that. Adam was not complete without Eve. God made it help meet for him, someone necessary to him, someone fitting for him. Guys, if you're sitting beside your wife, wife, if you're sitting beside your husband, she's what you need. She's what you need. Enjoy each other. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 9, verse 9 says, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity, which he has given thee under the sun, all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life and the labor which thou hast taken under the sun. I don't get all the fighting, the arguing, the bickering. My wife and I were sitting on the deck. We were blessed with a decent tax return this year. We was able to build a big deck on the back of our house. We were sitting on it a few weeks ago before all this rain come through. Sitting there drinking something, and it was enjoyable because we were enjoying the fruit of our labor. Shannon and I both work hard. She takes care of all the home stuff, the kids, and I try to bring home some money. You know what? We enjoy the things we've done. We were able to do get a nice drop. We've just done a lot of things to our home where we live, made it a nicer place to live. We work together trying to make a better life, trying to rear our children. The Bible says, enjoy the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. You work hard to get a decent paycheck. You're able to buy an ice cream cone. Enjoy it with your wife. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 says this. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind in pleasant woe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. The Bible speaks for itself, guys. It's your woman. She's your woman. No one else's. She's yours. Let her know that she's yours. I, I just don't understand it. Maybe I'm a little naive because my mom and dad had a good marriage. I grew up in a home with a good marriage. I'll happily stay naive if that's what needs to be. I just I don't understand all the divorce. It makes me sad. It saddens me to see divorce everywhere, inside the church, outside of the church. Divorce is, remember this, one thing getting ripped into half. Remember that. That's what it is. Here's what I want. Uh, Mike can begin to play something. Men, if you're here, grab your woman. Come down to the altar with her. Pray for her. Something that Bruce preaches that I, I realize is so awesome and helps. Men, thank God for your woman. Thank God for Eve. She was made out of you. Not out of the dust of the ground. Out of you. She is your wife. Thank God for her. Yes, maybe she does some pesky stuff. Yes, maybe he does some stuff that gets on your nerves. Thank God for each other. Pray for each other. Pray that your wife will have strength to do what she needs to do. Pray that your man will be wise and God give him wisdom. Women, pray for your men. You don't understand or realize the significance of when a wife encourages her husband. Understand Women, you encourage your husband, and your man can do anything. Do you understand that? Your man will be confident. 
to have abilities to do things. It comes from you women encouraging your man. Now, ladies, pray that to your man. Pray for your man. Then you pray for your wife. Thank God for your wife. Guys, grab your woman and come on down to the altar. You say, hey, man, that's not my style. I make it your style. Come on, man up. Grab your woman. Make your way down. If you're single, if you're having troubles in your marriage, make your way down too. Got single guys, single ladies, pray for that one that comes. She's coming your way. Pray for her. Pray for him. You don't believe in God that he's going to bring you somebody? Then you lack faith. 